filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Tuesday night It's your buddy Gavin We haven't talked about episode 7 of the night of yet from HBO And that's because my man Dan Ruddle needed a chance to watch it But guess what? He watched it and now he's live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania What's up Dan Ruddle? Oh man, anything and everything man This is uh, I believe podcast number two from Pittsburgh and uh, factor in an Amish country uh, we're, we're seeing some of the more beautiful parts of the state of Pennsylvania yeah. on our tour of uh, on our tour of, <laughs> of the uh, taxi cab fiasco yeah, the taxi, you're, you're driving that taxi cab all over the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania we uh, we were thinking about calling the show tonight either uh, uh, Keystone Confessional or Keystone Cops take Pennsylvania confidential that's a Keystone Confidential, Taxi Cab Fiasco. It's the Filibuster Freestyle. Um, free about filibusterfreestyle.com for those of you who use the worldwide interwebs. And uh, we like to do a little thing called a weekly recap and analysis show on HBO's The Night Of. And um, a hell of an episode, Dan. We only have one left. Uh, we'll get into it, but it's gone by fast, and I'm not going to lie. It's gone by good. I, I thought overall a hell of an episode in episode seven. What do you think? Really solid. I was very, very happy with the way it went. I was, uh, you know, uh, I think it really brought some, uh, some clarity to some things, and you're really starting to see some of the, the things take, t- take shape a bit. Um, excellent job with Brian Burton the other night, by the way. I really uh, I listened to that pod on my way out to Pittsburgh today and uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, I think he... I think he uh, sort of by omission confirmed a suspicion that you and I have uh, hypothesized about. So I'm glad to hear that uh, yeah. something that may or may not come true. Yeah, so let me, first of all, absolutely, Brian Burton, the actor, comedian, extraordinaire who plays Animal Shelter Volunteer. And this show was kind enough to come on the podcast, Filibuster Freestyle, props to him. Um, really cool to talk to him about some of the things about the show. And check it out, folks, on either filibusterfreestyle.com at Gavin Viano on Twitter, or look us up on Facebook or SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search Filibuster Freestyle, and there's a 99% chance you'll find us, and that other 1% user error. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um, and so let me let, refresh my memory. What, which one of our outlandish theories are you alluding to, and which Brian may have confirmed via Fifth Amendment status? Um, the cat. Mm-hmm. That the cat may or may not pay... Or pay, excuse me. That the cat may or not uh, play a role in shedding some light on what actually happened in uh, Andrea Cornish's house up on East uh, or West Eighty Seventh Street. Correct, correct. And that was kind of fun because obviously him playing the animal shelter volunteer, um, he's got some inside information on that. The other thing I like about that is he he confirmed that that is a real animal shelter in Brooklyn <laughs> that mm. they shot at, which is pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, but, and he also confirmed that Gandolfini was going to play the role, James Gandolfini, the late great. Of Stone, yeah. He was going to play the, uh, the John Stone role. And as we talked about on that podcast with Senor Burton, um, Tortoro kind of was you know, the second or third choice there, and he may have stumbled into another role of a lifetime. Or not, and by that I mean bringing the character to life as greatly yeah. as possible. Um, hey, you know. One other fun fact, and this will, this will tie into one little detour we'll take before we get into the show. Uh, friend of the show, pundit of the show, our buddy Andrew Patterson just started the night of tonight. Ooh. Uh, he has, he's probably right now smack dab in the middle of episode two. 
He his outlandish theories were amazing. I'm not going to share any of them, but his top three takes from the from the first episode were Nas is guilty, which we've debated a lot since. I told him to hold on on that one. Uh, okay. He hates the cat, which I told him to hold on, and he said. Give me more Tortoro, but I could do without the eczema. Unfortunately, they're pretty much a package deal, homie. So uh, get ready and yeah. buckle up. Um, yeah, Andrew, if, if you're if you're not a fan of the eczema, then um, yeah, it's going to be tough breaks for you for a while. Long ride, Playboy, long ride. Uh, especially because he's binge watching it. Um, and the reason <laughs> I bring up Andrew Patterson is um, we are right around the corner. From the fantasy football draft, we still need to establish oh. a date for the filibuster freestyle fantasy football fandango. The five Fs, um, league commissioner Andy Maslin and I need to put together a draft. But I'm calling out Chris Orozco, Patricia Michelson, Mark Lawler, the aforementioned Andrew Patterson, and Kennedy Sullivan, Commissioner Maslin, Dan O'Brien, your boy and mine, my brother Alex, my cousin Doug. Man Cook Goods own Jeremy Johnson and our newest expansion team, you sir, the Dan Rattle Express or whatever you call it, and we're looking for Uno Mas. One more team to get to 12. So pundits, fans, hit me up at Gavin Viano on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. Let's do this. Dude, what about Larry? Oh, what about Larry? You know what? We're he gonna... was kvetching the other night at the bar about a way to be brought into the fold on the freestyle, so I this might be a good uh, this might be a good venue. Just a thought. No, I don't mind it. Or maybe he stinks at fantasy football and we should exclude him. Or maybe because he stinks we should include him. Uh, that's a really good take. <laughs> All, right. Fruit. All right, Dan, let's do this. We're going to go package deal. You, uh, an MVP pundit of the summer, are going to be able to... Now, I'm not saying you're responsible for Larry, but you're going to bring in Larry, who I love anyway. He's never been on the show, but he's a friend of the show. And uh, he is the Drilling Threes Philadelphia area band manager. So we'll bring Larry okay. in. We'll have 12 teams. Pundits unite. News team unite. That's all I have to say. Okay. Last thing. And this goes into the show. And I want to lead off with this one tonight. Okay. Props to our friend Amara Karan for once again liking us on Twitter. She is mm. Chandra on the show. And let's just get into Chandra on the show. And this is out of order. But what is she doing making up with Nas in jail on camera? What the hell? That is one of the notes that I remember. Like, what the heck is she doing? Like, how, how, is, that, how is that a line that even is approaching being crossed <laughs> in an attorney-client relationship, much less in a conversation about their trial? No, I get it. I get it. He's dreamy. He shaved his head. He's got a sin and a bad tattoo because his favorite comedian is Sinbad. I get it. <laughs> I was thinking Sinbad when I saw that too, man. But the bottom line is, Amara Karan, great actress. You're killing it as Chandra. Chandra, what are you doing making out with Nas? Like, I, I'm not even going in order for the first time in seven podcasts because that one jumped. Wait, no, no. It didn't jump the shark for me, but it blew my effing mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was I, I was flabbergasted, and I saw, you know, it, it, like in the previous episode where we saw Stone put his hand on her hand, and you're just kind of waiting for an awkward makeout session, and then all of a sudden you saw it, like, wait, are they gonna? Oh my god, what the hell are they doing? And the weirdest, yeah, it was the weirdest just part odd. was, yeah, the weirdest part was that Nas was having flashbacks to Andrea's the, the yeah. night of Andrea's Oof. day in that dark, which leads me to believe. 
he is going to have a breakthrough on what happened in that brownout. I don't know if it's going to go well or bad. Well, for him, I yeah. think I, I, I'm in the firm believer camp that there's going to be a shadow of a doubt on that jury. Um, but anyway, Chandra making out with Nas. I, if you if you said you know five thousand to one odds, Leicester City wins the Premier League in 2016, or Chandra makes out with Nas in episode seven, I would have gone with Leicester, and I would have been right on both counts. Wow. Okay. So anyway. Uh, yeah, there was another soccer reference that flew right over my sorry, head. Sorry, dude, but for, I, all I, those I, soccer, for all those dual soccer <laughs> night out fans yeah. out there, they really bought into that one. Um, yeah, right. I think that's a pretty good Venn diagram, the soccer fan and night out fan. Not, not, not a terrible one. Uh, there's definitely some no, people in no, the middle no, no. there. All right, so yep. let's go back to the beginning of the show. Opening scene. It was interesting. You've got uh, Detective Box at another murder scene. Uh, is a woman brutally, yeah. brutally killed, I think in the street or an alley, and he makes an Andrea Cornish reference. I just thought it was interesting, especially because it basically was his last day at work or his last couple days at work. Yeah. Why was he even out there? Well, I, I guess because unlike a lot of professions, when you're, when you're a homicide detective, you go and you work crime scenes right up until your very last day. I, I don't have a better explanation than that. Here, but. Here, here's my other question. Why bring up the Andrea Cornish thing? Because to me... You know, you know it wasn't. Yeah, Nas. how are you bringing that up as a parallel? Correct. You know, you know it wasn't Nas because you put him in Rikers Island to await trial and to be on trial, and you know. So why bring it up? If, if the guy you is think, he just making a reference to a stabbing victim? I mean, that's that's kind of a far reach. To yeah, say. It's that was a bit of a reach. That, like, like we've talked a lot about this show not wasting a lot of movement, and I, I feel like yeah. that's going to be a wasted movement there. Um, yeah. So we've got our girl Helen, the DA. She is having, you know, examining the witness, the expert witness, who is the coroner. Um, yeah, doctor. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. But he's the guy, he, and I mean the guy who works for the city here, the guy who yeah. is not lying but is convincingly saying that if you stab him 22 examiner. times. Yeah, the medical examiner, excuse me. So anyway, what I found interesting in that scene, of course, is that Nas's mom abruptly gets up and leaves the courtroom and runs into the ladies' room. Um... Nas's mom is not in a good way. Let's put it that way. She's not in a good way, but I think by virtue of her not being in a good way and showing the jury and the rest of the people in the courtroom, I think she's put Nas in a less good way. Yeah. Bad move. Yeah, and that's what, you know, Chandra goes and in, 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 uh, sees her in the restroom in a few minutes, you know, after she finished the cross-examination, which we'll get to, and Chandra goes to the restroom and tries to give Mrs. Khan the advice of, like, you can't do that. And... Not only did Mrs. Khan ask, you know, rhetorically, I guess, did I raise an animal, but she basically didn't want any comfort from Chandra. Basically, it was like kind of double middle finger. I don't care about putting him in a bad way. I, you know, yeah. she's now questioning if her son could have done this, which that's not good. It's not a good look. No. No, it's, it's a very bad look for the defense. And, you know, I, I think she's kind of... You know, as Nas alludes to later, right before he ends up making out mystically with his defense attorney, mm-hmm. um, that his father's the only person left in the world who believes him. Correct. Which, 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 to pro- that point, it's that it seems that Mrs. Nas has turned that corner, and is all of a sudden that that reasonable doubt in her head is gone. She's kind yeah. of buying that this is what happened. It's a good thing Mrs. Khan isn't the jury foreman. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, that is a good thing. So going back to the tr- to the courtroom itself, so Chandra is now cross-examining the medical examiner. And I, I just love the detective work that she and John Stone have done. She brings up 
his interpretation of another crime against a guy named Mr. Metz, and I don't know if that was like a homage to Mr. Metz, the uh, Metz mascot, or just a guy <laughs> named Mr. Metz. Either way, he was eventually exonerated on appeal. Um, my comment here is just that she and John Stone are doing a very solid job of throwing any type of shadow of the drought, doubt bombs, grenades, roadblocks up that they can. They're finding as much as they can, which is good stuff. Yeah. And they got a hammer on that as much as they can. What did you no. make of, and I guess this is a leading question, but it is a courtroom drama. So John Stone is eyeballing Don, the trainer, slash Andrea's stepdad in the courtroom. And then, of course, starts following Don down the street because, you know, John Stone can't not go follow and confront somebody. Um, did you feel, what were you, how did you think that was going to go for John Stone? And <laughs> what were your thoughts? I mean, a lot of Don background in this show, first of all. Yeah, I, I think that, I don't know. I, I, to your point, Stone is going to go follow the leads wherever it takes him, whether it be to f- follow this personal training mimbo to where his place of business or Dwayne Reed to a back, uh, to a bodega backroom card game, card game. So, you know, not surprising at all, but I think he just keeps kind of, you know, as we saw as the episode six closed out, he's definitely starting to key in on this guy as a person of interest in the crime. Um, and we see that sort of play out a bit over the, the, the subsequent scenes in episode seven. Correct. Um, and then we, we get to kind of follow. So what I like about this episode is that Don, so we've got John Stone following Don. Don goes to meet that same quote-unquote gray lady that he was last seen training in episode six at the end in the gym. He's having a fancy dinner with her. Um, we, you know, John Stone, I believe, you know, he winds up, uh, following, I'm just going to stay on this arc for a bit. He goes to the gym that Don works at. He's yeah. he's walking slash jogging ever so slowly on the treadmill and kind of asking around <laughs> while doing it. Um, yeah. If Nas's push-ups form is terrible, John Stone's running form is absolute uh, dog crap. I'll tell you what. You know who's not going to win the triathlon at the 2020 Olympics? Either one of those two characters. <laughs> Especially John Stone. He couldn't even win race walking. I mean, clearly, he was uh-uh. like un- unraced running. It was, it was really, really interesting to watch. Um, and the other thing I wanted to get to on Don now, at least, and this is kind of a bombshell John Stone finds a former lover of Don's, and actually, it's Don's ex wife, um, played by Sting's wife, Trudy Styler. Good to see Trudy Styler. Um, Bottom line is, she lets us know that Don tried to strangle her once. She lets us yep. know that she's incredibly wealthy. She lets us know that Don has already filed for bankruptcy twice. She also lets us know that she gave us, or she gave Don, excuse me. Well, did he let us know that, or did Ray let us know that? Uh, I am sorry. You are correct. Ray let us know that part. But, yeah. but where I was going with, with Trudy Styler was that she basically let us know that um, she gave him $200,000 to go away, and that's why a divorce is so expensive, because it's worth it. Um, yep. Back to your boy Ray. He brings credit card statements of Don's. Don's been maxed out on all three of you know the credit cards that are, that are on file. And like I was just alluding to, Ray tells Johnstone he's filed for bankruptcy twice already and is on verge of a third. So 
We learn a lot about Don. We learn a lot about Don's motivations. Would you not agree? Yeah. Yeah, we find out that he's basically a first-rate loser who's, you know, out, out in the, the old lady hunting game, old rich lady hunting game. Oh, um, and oh, by the way, he's got a little bit of temper. Yeah. Yeah, had to, had to call, I believe her exact words were, you know, called the cops with his hands around my throat, threatening yep. to kill me. Like, yeah, Don, Don is starting to really sort of take, um, Don's character is really sort of starting to take uh, focus uh, as this sort of unstable guy who really may have had a motive to go after someone who was preventing him from getting the money that he felt was he was entitled to. Of course, he did all that great lady, all that great lady work. You know, he did all that yeah. personal training for the price on the house, and yep. uh, homeboy wanted to get it done. So we'll get back to Don in a bit, but. To your point, Don is really emerging as, you know, if the hearse driver is there to throw us off the scent potentially, if Dwayne Reed is there to throw us off the scent potentially, and of course Chandra brought both of them up later in the show to box, she did not bring up Don yet. Because I think Don might be the ding, ding, ding that gets, I'm not saying Don goes to jail, but I am saying it may get Nas out of Rikers Island. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, though. I don't think that she's on to Don at all. I think Stone's the only one on to Don at this point. Ooh, I think you might. Be I don't think he's that. brought her into the loop on that. Which is also kind of interesting, um, being that she's the lead attorney in the case and all. But that's okay. I know he's he's vetting the case, and that's cool. But I do think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, so far, Stone has dealt with the tax attorney guy on his own, Ray. He's dealt with him on his yeah. own. You're 100 right. All right. So, uh, let's go back to uh, Mr. Khan and Naz's brother, Amir. I believe his name is Amir. I'm sorry if it's not. Uh, they're walking through the neighborhood, and a woman in a full-scale burqa blames them for anti-Muslim graffiti in the neighborhood. Um, swastika, bad form. Not, yeah. not cool. Uh, gratuitous swastika work. Sorry, HBO. I just, no, we don't need to do that anymore. Come on now. Um, sure. Also... Um, Mr. Khan's partners are really playing hardball about this gosh darn taxi cab. Uh, yeah. Their plan is to get a new cab. They have mad beef. Their plan is to basically extort him to sell the medallion or the one-third of the sell medallion. Sell his portion of the medallion. For way yeah. under street value, way under market value. Um, what was your take on those guys and any of that? I mean, obviously it's pretty fresh and pretty straightforward, but. Well, I think they get kind of cast in a bad light that's not necessarily fair to them. I mean, they're basically his business partners who don't really have a plan B. They can't go and make money, and they don't really have much of a choice. They're saying, "Okay, well, you don't have any choice. You don't have any chances of getting your cab back. So you got to reclaim your medallion, and you got to go buy another cab." And you know, it, it, it sucks for Nas, and it sucks for Mr. Khan. But at the end of the day, I think these guys have got to do what they got to do. One thing I had of note is that you know, uh, may, maybe this is me being naive but you know they talk about how how mr khan is pakistani and that the you know at least one of the business partners look, partners looks pakistani but the other one looks very sort of eastern european like russian or something he does not look as if he's correct middle eastern in descent correct i, I give you that he definitely doesn't look as as he doesn't look as as related in terms of nationality I, i'll give i'll give you that but they seemed to infer that they all were Pakistani. I agree. That's my, 
They, they, they do, because obviously they, they... Clearly, if the man is not Pakistani, he's definitely Muslim because he shows the New York Post cover of, of quote-unquote, another uh, Muslim cabbie beaten, you know, that, that right. fake headline and the fake New, fake New York Post headline. Um, so, sounds like, you know, obviously Mr. Mr. Khan's got a cave. The good news is he gets a little bit of cash for his troubles. The bad news is he's out, he's out, a, he's out one-third of a cab. Um, Mrs. Yeah. Khan is back at the house looking at baby pics of Nas. Someone throws a rock through her window. So was, we're really seeing that the entire, like, Jackson Heights immediate neighborhood around them is just turning on them. Um, Nas's high-profile case has brought a lot of heat on the community, a lot of heat on cab drivers, apparently a lot of heat into Jackson Heights. Um, you know, it's... It's tough, man, and that's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna bring Mrs. Khan back anytime soon. I'll put it that way. No, I think she's definitely succumbing to some of those pressures that she's feeling from the community. Correct. You know, Correct. You get, you get a few bricks through your window, you start seeing those crime scene photos, and you're hearing a supposed expert testifying, even though, as we saw behind the scenes, it seems to be a bit have been a bit coerced. And you know, maybe you start to doubt yourself. You start to doubt your parenting skills and start to think that, wow, maybe it is possible that this that, kid did this. That, that's correct. Now, I will say this. Speaking of doubting your parenting skills, Nas is back in jail freebasing more crack cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, is, that, yeah. Is, that is bad parenting, Mrs. Khan. Uh, his just say no score was one for two, and now he's like one for a million. Uh, he, he, he is <laughs> yeah. he's below the Mendoza line and saying no to crack, and that's not good. Yeah, yeah, he did not. He did not pass dare. Yeah, Nancy Reagan was rolling around in her grave right now. Um, yep. and that's all right, I guess. So let's go to. Uh, we go back to court. Amir is the friend, and as we correctly speculated, when Box was looking at Facebook feeds of Nas and his friend said, "Thank you so so much." Turns out Nas was selling amphetamines to. At least this kid, but it sounds like others, and it turns out he was selling it to them a lot of the time. So Helen, the DA, is making Nas look and seem like a drug dealer, which in theory he's dealing drugs, and um, he's got a prescription for them. He's selling them for ten bucks a pop. He's making, I think it was like a three hundred seventy eight thousand percent. Yeah, eight thousand percent markup, and. you know, again, she's painting him as a savvy, drug-dealing, businessman, extorter of people, which, you know, clearly she's breaking down this nice kid thing. You know, when I, when I think of Andrew Patterson trying to give me hot takes on a show that I've seen seven more episodes of than him, um, Nas is no longer the, 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 the good boy with, with no chance of committing crimes that he was at the end of episode one. And uh, yeah. Amir did not do him a solid either. So all of Nas's people... Besides his dad and Chandra, who's making out with him in jail, are really leaving him at the altar. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know if you caught this, but Nas giving him the side eye as he left the stand, I think, can only hurt him. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, you, you gotta let that go. Yeah, I mean, it, sort of insinuating anything to the effect of snitches get stitches is probably a bad thing for you if you're on being tried for murder. Especially when six of your ten fingers say Sinbad on them in prison tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Sinbad. I'm just I saying. thought that same thing. Like, man, that's just... Do you think they, do you think they meant to do that? Yeah, Sinbad. I don't know, man. I, I'm going to be interested to see if... The, I don't think that's going to play anywhere, but it's just kind of... It's really... Because, again, we've said this like for four or five weeks in a row now. Nas just continues to embrace 
prison life, fitting in with the guys, bad boy enterprises, etc. Well, he's clearly he's clearly preparing himself for life behind bars should his defense not be successful. So you're going with the he's hedging his bets corollary. No, I don't. I, I, I'm sort of saying that tongue in cheek. Of course, I, I of think course. it's just kind of. But no, I think I, I think he's very much just kind of. Yeah, he's got that side of him that lashes out from time to time. But on the whole, I think he's just a kid who's susceptible to peer pressure and seeing that wow, he's way outmatched in prison, and that if he doesn't toe the line and get in with some people that can protect him. He's gonna be in. It's gonna be a bad a deal. Really, really, yeah. Really bad deal. He, he could, he could end up being Petey. Correct. Which maybe which we'll we find out discuss. more about in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so let's Petey. go. Speaking of uh, ending up in certain ways, so we've got John Stone. He's fixing some fancy feast for the cat. The cat seems content. You know why, Dan? This is an aside. All cats want is food, yarn, and basically to be left alone. And Stone's doing a great job of that. Um, we find yeah. out, because the cat is basically making Stone very allergic, that Stone is trying to get his son Gooden to take the cat. <laughs> Gooden does not want the cat. And despite Stone not wearing shoes, Gooden just trying to hit on the ladies instead of talking to his dad. And that's fair. He's a teenager. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of interest in cats, especially when there were young ladies involved when I was a teenager, so I can't say that I blame Gooden. Not at all. Um, mm-hmm. Not at all. So quick aside there, we'll get back to that cat in a bit. So we go back to jail. Nas is in jail. He's feeling really bad about the little secret he has between Jimmy and Petey in that Jimmy is using Petey as his B-I-T-C, you know what. Um, yeah. And then Nas has to go and see Petey's, you know, Petey's mom, who's, you know, she's muling drugs in, putting him in certain parts of her body. She's giving him to She's him. the front end of the mule. And, yep, and he's the back end of the mule, and not that's not exactly the corollary, but the bottom line is they're both they're both very much involved in yeah. smuggling cocaine into the jail. Um, and what I find interesting is it's just pretty nasty still, and Nas is now swallowing those bags like grapes and good for him. But um, <laughs> he 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 tells Petey's mom that Petey's fine, and we learn later Petey is not fine. Petey's far from fine. Not fine. Does not want to be involved with Jimmy in that way, romantically or otherwise. Um, no. All right. He's not enjoying his role. Correct, correct. So back in the courtroom, we've got, and again, the show jumps around, and I'm not surprised. Every time HBO has a penultimate episode, um, depending on the length of the series, it's either the best the best of the series, if it's like Game of Thrones and it's not over yet. Or in this case, when the series ends next week, it's just setting everything up, I think, for next week's crescendo. So um, yeah. we're, back in, we're back in court. Um, the DA is examining, you know, interviewing Nas's former basketball coach, who actually reveals, unfortunately, that, this is, and this is when Chandra cross-examines him, that Nas is the only one who sent two kids to the hospital after 9-11. More secrets. The one kid he threw down the stairs and didn't seem to show remorse for. And then the first day back, basically throwing a full Coke can at some kid's head and giving him like 12 stitches in the face. Once again, not helping Chandra help you. Completely blindsided. As we say in law, you know, (laughs) you you don't ask questions you don't know the answer to. Chandra thought she knew the answer and Nas didn't give her the answer. Yeah. Yeah, and there's little powder kegs that keep popping up, you know. That How much is this alarming you? 
Like we we've been pretty you know, staunch. In a, we've been pretty staunch weird, that Nas isn't guilty. Go ahead. Sorry. In a weird sort of way, I feel like this is kind of solidifying our anti-hero argument, and at the same time, solidifying that it's going to be the states painting this picture of him because they think that he did it. But I still don't think he did it. Yeah. I think that he's. I mean, it's just. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I I could at this point. Well, we know, could all be wrong my, Is my spidey sense tingling and saying that you know? Yes, it's now much more likely. I'm I'm no longer in the 99th percentile of no Nas didn't kill her. Right. But I'm still not below 90% that he yeah, didn't kill her. Yeah. Like, it just seems kind of like uh, anticlimactic. Correct. And let's, let's think about Nas's issues. Like, the issues we've learned about slowly but surely here, okay? Okay. Nas clearly has a bit of a temper or a bit of a something, fine. Yeah. But, like, every time, like, okay, he sold some amphetamines, that's not a violent crime. That's having Adderall and giving it away and making a few bucks from a family that's, yeah. not, that's not rich. Okay. Um, he's doing what he has to do in prison to survive. Um, he definitely was in trouble in high school after 9-11, which was 15 years ago. Um, you know, or, and also as a result of being beaten up and bullied because he was correct. Muslim. But the thing I was going to say is that every single one of these things, to our knowledge, only involves men. Like... He has no no history of violence right. towards women, and Andrea is you know was I guess a woman you know so like I I don't know that what we're learning about Nas is is painting a picture that he would brutally stab a woman who he just slept with because I just think he would have been so psyched he slept with a woman in the first place. Yeah, totally. Like he had no reason to be mad at her. Um, yeah, he, I mean he's gonna want to come back for a repeat affair, uh, a repeat. Correct. Um, Engagement. And if you remember, he did step to Bodie, or sorry, Trevor and Dwayne Reed uh, in the street. Like he seems to be willing to f- to step up against other dudes, or at least willing. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't know. I, I still I agree with you. I'm a little alarmed in that Nas is not a golden boy, but I also appreciate the fact that most people aren't, and the show's being real to life. Um, yeah. All right. So. Let's talk about. All right. Unfortunately, the pawn, the cons are at the pawn shop giving away heirlooms. Heirlooms. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sad, sad Things stuff. Just sad. sad, sad stuff. Just I feel bad about it. Don. Okay. So now we're back in jail. That's a lie. We're back at the gym. At the gym. Our boy Stone loves asking questions of this other trainer. He's getting spotted. He's getting to a point where he can't bench anymore. All of a sudden, his trainer leaves. Don decides to take the fake spot, starts pushing the bar down into Stone, basically starts threatening Stone that he knows who his kid is, he knows who his ex-wife is, he knows where he lives. You know, Again, I don't think Don is doing Don any solids by showing he's an absolute sociopath. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that aside from it being very satisfying for him to just be like, I'm in a position of power here, you're, you're giving a guy reason to, to your point, say, oh, this guy's a psycho and he's willing to do anything. You know, anything. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter that I'm in a gym. I'm gonna choke you with the. I'm gonna choke you with your, uh, with, like, with your barbell. Is there a way to look guiltier than to say to a guy, "You're not invisible. You think I don't notice you too?" Like, 
that means you're that means you're rattled, bro. You're rattled, bro. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you're you're. All you got to do is not be implicated and get Nas. If Nas goes to jail for this forever, you're good to go. Like, it, it, yeah. You know, they like, got their guy. The case is closed. Correct. And like, there'll be They're an appeal and stuff, maybe. But, but like, don't. The, the problem is, there's probably gonna be an appeal. And if you stand to win five million and now ten million dollars with Andrea dead and Nas in jail, yep. like don't don't give anybody any reason for any motives on the appeal. And this guy's an idiot, which is why he makes yeah. thirty grand a year, which is why he's been bankrupt twice, which is why he's maxed out his credit card the third time. Um, he's a hothead. Yep. Real hothead, real hothead. So Nas calls his mom finally from jail. She won't take the call. What the hell? Yeah. This episode's moving fast, but Nas's mom is 100% out. Yeah. She, she's, uh, she's bought the, the prosecution story, and I think she's basically over it. She's saying, I'm not going to be a part of this. Correct. Now, we've got a lot of action here. We're going to get through it. But the bottom line is, we've got Detective Box being cross-examined by Chandra. And Chandra's saying, you know, guy... Uh, when did Nas confess? You know, why did you leave Nas in jail? Why didn't you book him? Why didn't you charge him? And he kept being like, well, the evidence suggested he did it. It's a mountain of evidence. And I was giving him some time to think about it, to confess. And of course she says, well, you know, he never confessed. What the hell? And he's like, well, I'll take, I'll take a mountain of evidence over a confession any day. That comes back to somewhat haunt him. Um, because the bottom line is, uh, he basically removed evidence from the scene of the crime in, in the form of Nas's inhaler. And yep. if he's Mr. Stickler, Mr. Rules, Mr. Whatever, I think actually Chandra did a pretty good job of making him seem like maybe he could remove other things from the case. Maybe he could move other... Th- you know, like, if, if we're trying to create a sliver of a doubt, a shadow of a doubt... I think Box having to admit that he gave the kid the inhaler because he needed it, Mr. Compassionate, when, like, he's anything but Mr. Compassionate, worked pretty well. Or not even anything but Mr. Compassionate, but anything but other than follow the proper protocol. Correct. Like, you you just removed a piece of evidence from a crime scene because you didn't think that it, you thought it had served its purpose? Correct. <laughs> I mean, like that means that that basically calls into question your entire modus operandi and how everything. you look evidence, right? So yeah. I, again, I just think I think Stone noticed it. I think Chandra pointed it out in a good way, and I, I don't think it makes Box a bad person. I think it just gives Nas a chance to get off the case. Like maybe he was railroaded by the cops. She even literally oh. used the Johnny Cochran as a reference in the show. She yeah, said, we talked about that. I think we talked about that off air, but the, or off air, off the you know after we concluded the podcast, the the glove doesn't fit. You must have quit. And she literally said it. Yeah. <laughs> if it hadn't if they hadn't recorded this like three years ago, I would know that Steve Zalian was listening to what we're saying. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so um, all right, a couple other things here. Um, Stone really loves the cat. The cat breaks out of the guest room. The cat gives Stone a huge infection. He goes back to Dr. Yi, and Dr. Yi's like, you got to get rid of that cat. And Stone admits, but I don't want to get rid of the cat. Stone loves that cat. Stone is in on the cat. Sorry, Andrew Patterson. Stone loves the cat. You're in for a long ride. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. What do we think we, happens we think with we, this we cat? We see a... 
I don't know. Yeah, it's you way know, I, it's way it's, up in the air, right? Well, I mean, we see the guy that they bring in as the expert witness, Doctor. He seems to be a celebrity doctor and some. Yeah, Doctor Cat. He's Doctor Katz. Doctor Katz. Doctor Katz. Yep. I think Doctor Katz and some of the, the the photographs he was taking in the cat is going to spark some memory. I, 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 you know, we see these, we've talked a lot about not wasting motions in this show. Yeah. You know, they're not showing flashbacks because they're eventually going to lead to a dead end. Like I, I agree with what you said earlier in, in the pod is that like eventually one of these things is going to go a lot further where he actually it's gonna remembers something of significance. It's going to click. Aside from stupid, like, chains clinking as they walked out of the the den to go upstairs. Correct, correct. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's talk about Dr. Katz. Um, mm. So he was in an earlier episode taking pictures of the entire crime scene. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I mean, he paints an unbelievable picture of there being a million reasons why Nas could not, you know, why there's plausibility that Nas didn't do this. You know, whether it's... Yeah. The knife set and the fact that they're only sold in four and one's missing, whether it's the broken lock and the door, whether it's the fact that an intruder could easily scale the tree outside because he's pushing 70 and he did it. Um, you know, talking about Andrea's cells being in the table, um, her, you know, her, her cell matter. Yeah, because from of the, the, what did they refer to the game as, by the way? I couldn't Oh, Piggly I, I wrote it uh, Pig Bog? I don't know. Chandra said it. It was like, it wasn't Piggly Wiggly, but it was like Pig Boggle. It was something Pig along Giggle. those lines. It, was, it had a cool little name, and um, yeah. it was a fun little name for it. The bottom line is, uh, I think with Dr. Katz, um, he gives great, great, great plausible testimony as to why Nas might not be guilty of this crime. Mm-hmm. I think Helen, our DA friend, tries to do a good job and does do a great job of bringing out how smarmy and full of himself, Dr. Katz is, and that works, and I, yeah. I, I hope it doesn't hurt Nas's case, because he really took the bait uh, in their little diatribe, did, they, did he not? Yeah, yeah, when she, <laughs> when she comes out with the quote from, I guess it was a speech that he had, uh, he had delivered. About the, about the medical examiner about that he said he was not examiner. good at his job, when he told people he was great at his job. Yeah. Um, she definitely paints him into a little bit of a character corner herself. She's doing good work too. I know we hate on her a lot, but you know she's doing. Oh, I don't good. hate her. I think she's a great character. Yeah, yeah, she's a great character. Um, but we kind of hate on her uh, some of her methods. But she's she's legit and she's bringing it and she's doing her thing. Now that said, um, Stone goes back and finds Box. He basically gives him a subpoena. And now Stone, on his like last day of work, has to go back into court. Sorry, not Stone. Box. Box, Box does, yes. Uh, he's back on the witness stand. Uh, Chandra brings up Trevor, and she brings up Dwayne Reed, and she brings up Mr. Caval, who is the neighbor next door, Mr. Day, yep. who is the hearse driver. She asks why none of those guys have ever been asked a question about their knowledge of the night, their knowledge of what was going on with Nas and Andrea, et cetera, et cetera. And I would say this, though. For all the good work Helen did on behalf of the state to make Dr. Katz seem like an aloof, smarmy D-bag, Chandra does a really good job of bringing out the box that you maybe didn't do that great of a job on this. Like, you know, he said, well, I only interview people I know about. Well, it's not good if Stone can find these people, if Chandra can find these people, and if Box is ignoring the video evidence 
of these people uh-huh. all over the city. Um, because as we continue to learn, there are cameras all over New York City post 9-11. What yep. did you think about Box's reactions to Chandra asking these questions? Well, I think, you know, uh, about the neighbor, I think it brings to light the sort of a notion we've toyed with in previous episodes about what the hell is he doing awake at 3.30 in the morning? Correct. Because he, he's already awake to look out the window to see the glass breaking. And I, and, and I really do and think that we hit on this last week, your theory of the screeching car. Um, yeah. If, let's say you're right, and I, and I don't have any reason, i got to go back and watch that episode before the finale, but the bottom line is, if I'm a dude and I hear a screeching car at 3 in the morning or whatever on West 87th Street, and I'm Mr. Caval, I'm like, holy crap, what's going on? And then... While looking out the window, I see Nas running out, sprinting down the street, being like, whoops, breaking a window, coming out, coming back in. Like, I'm already in pole position because somebody else woke me up. And to your point, like, what woke him up? Why is he staring across at Andrea's house at 3 in the morning? Yeah. He's either involved or something happened before that to wake him. To wake him up. Correct. Exactly. You know, so I think there's a lot of plausibility here. Um, All right, man. This is going to be a fun little ending. Um... But what did you think about – I had a question about Brian Burton and I's conversation. It's escaped me now, so I'll, I'm going to leave it and hopefully it comes back to me. Um, okay. okay. Nas goes to the bathroom at Rikers. He basically sees oh, Petey dead. Man. Sees Petey. Yeah. Petey killed himself. Uh, obviously, Freddie is pissed because that was the hookup to get drugs into prison. So not only is Freddie mad about P being dead, he's mad about his, his drug mewling system being totally screwed up. And essentially, Nas winds up telling Freddie about Jimmy. Let's leave it there for yeah. now, but were you worried for Nas at all in that particular situation? And I know you know more after, but... Um, hmm. You know, it's so... <sighs> Yeah, I guess I was a little bit worried for him just because it's like, why? I mean, if if, if Freddie knows Jimmy from the outside and he's just met Nas in jail. Right, snitches, snitches get snitches, like you it's, said, you know? Yeah, snitches get snitches. It's like your word versus my word. Like, you're going to believe this kid who you, who you just met in jail instead of me who you've known from the outside and in the inside? Correct. Um, that said, I mean... Well, Nas is a trusted mule, though. You know, Nas is... is, is you know, Nas was, was an agreeable partner in this gravy train of bringing cocaine into Rikers Island. And basically, Nas is able to tell, tell Freddie why the party's over. So, yeah, I think, I think I was worried for Nas, but his gamble, as we'll find out in a minute, clearly did not go against him, at least not yet. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it paid off, but he certainly... Right. Um, he, there, there's one thing in prison he doesn't have to worry about anymore. And that's Jimmy. And we're going to talk about why in a minute. Anyway, what I also find interesting is we have the conversation about Nas's inhaler and box and not covering his bases. Yeah. And then we have Nas in jail and we have Petey die. And then we go back to box walking the streets towards his favorite bar, going to his retirement party, getting crummy gifts like a set of golf clubs. He's already told us in episode four or five he's not planning on playing golf. He's clearly pissed. And it's almost like one of those, like, what has all been even worth it for type situations, right? Yeah. And I feel like the back and forth between Nas and prison 
after Petey's death and Box walking to his retirement party and being there was pretty powerful. Um, you know, we go back to what Alison Crow said in episode, I think, two, where Nas is now about to potentially assist Freddy in a murder. You can tell Freddy and Nas are up to something because Jimmy is watching, I believe, Judge Judy or Oprah or Jenny Jones or somebody, um, Ellen, whoever. And Freddy's ice cold, man. Freddy wants what he wants. Um, so that Seth, was a badass prison weapon that he crafted. Oh my god, he makes like a razor toothbrush thing with like a. Oh my god, talk about <laughs> my goodness. All right, so let's give a shout out to like MacGyver, MacGruber, and Freddy. Like in terms of being able to figure stuff out with very little resources. Like, yeah, what a weapon. So ending, we're getting towards the ending. We've got, you know, Box all alone with his golf club. We've got Nas rolling up to Jimmy, knifing him in the jugular. A brutal, bloody death for Jimmy. Nas goes to the guard and uses his inhaler as a prop in the murder. Like, how ironic is that? That the inhaler that was not important in a murder case was then basically used to help engineer be an accomplice to divert the guard's attention so Freddy could knife Jimmy. Holy cow, yeah. right? I just yeah. feel like the show is very, very, very well done. That was a dark scene, and it was really good. Like, really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we we sort of tech we texted about this last night after I finally got caught up. Yep. And um, um, it was. I I think that nothing's impossible. I think that you know you talking about the possibility of him filling out that paperwork. Yep. Or, you know, who knows, maybe the inhaler that he turned in was the, the murder they collected from evidence. From the murder, yep. And that guard throws it away, and all of a sudden, oh, it's no longer there, and there was something on it that would have exonerated him. Who knows? Right. Um, but it is very possible that that comes back to haunt him. Yeah, so for those of you who may not have noticed that Nas was filling out paperwork, and when he was exchanging his inhaler, which we believe was the inhaler that he actually had at Andrea, Andrea's house... So the box gives back to him. The box said. gave back to him. So the precinct again. If we're not, if we're assuming that we, movements aren't wasted, and that irony was not the only point of that scene, you know, was that the missing link that Nas no longer has in his purse? Then is that come back to haunt him? So Steve Zalian or Zillion is the creator. According to Brian Burton, he's the real deal, and he had a ton of time. Basically, part of his deal, as we said in the podcast with Brian Burton. By the way, check it out again. Filibusterfreestyle.com um, is. Part of the contract was he had like a year plus to edit this thing. And so back to the whole no wasted space, no wasted movement, I think we're going to see some big things. Dan, what did you make of Brian Burton's take? Here's my question for you. That the deer head is a red herring. Um, and he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Wait, wait did, does he say that he thinks it's a red herring? Yeah, he kind of thought it was just like kind of a cool, creepy thing to show a bunch and that... It's not going to have a camera in it. And it's I'll not. be so disappointed if it's a red herring, won't you? I will. I feel like we've we're all. I feel beside like maybe just because I want it to be something. Uh, and, and I it feel will like turn between, out to have not been I feel like between the cat and the deer head, one of those two better factor in more importantly than just we were messing with you and John Stone loves cats. You know what I mean? Well, based on what Brian said, or rather what he did not say, I'm I'm sort of leaning more towards that the cat has the. The, the biggest chance of being something significant rather than the deer head. Yeah, true. Let's hope, Don't you? I hope so. I, I, like I said, I need one of those two things to come through. 
Because um, I do think that while the, the Hearst driver and Dwayne Reed offer plausibility, I think this comes down to the deer head, the inhaler now, the cat, and Don. Don, the gray lady killer. Don, yeah. Don Henley. No, sorry, Don Henley. Just kidding. Um, all right, man. Any outlandish predictions for how this thing ends, considering we're between week seven and eight? Um, seeing Box sit sort of introspectively thinking at his retirement party. Yep. I feel like he's going to play a sort of unsung hero role in either I think he's going to play an unsung hero role in finding in determining who the real killer is and whether that's Nasir Khan or someone different is yet to be determined but I think that he sort of had an aha moment where it's like wow this is my whole career and if this is a guy I'm going to put away from my last conviction I want it to be because it was legit I don't want it to be because Correct. I fudged some evidence. I really want this to stick. Yeah. We're going to find um, out. I, li- I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. Unless you got anything else profound, we can leave it there. we got a big, 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 big season finale, series finale, coming up yes. next week. You ready for this thing? Yeah, and I have no plans to see Ween or any other band from my teenage years uh, on Sunday night, so I will be able to watch it in full and we can recap right after. All right, man, cool. Let's get out of here. This is Filibuster Freestyle, Taxi Cat Fiasco, Dan Ruddle, The Night Of. Check us out at filibusterfreestyle.com. Dan, stick around for a minute. I'm going to hit the outro and we'll talk for a few. Thanks, everybody. One more week left. Word. Big ups. See you, buddy. See ya. By the way, Big Larry, your lucky Dan vouch for you. Yeah, don't besmirch my reputation in fantasy, Larry. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 